Well, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. Music, why, of course. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Orion Radio. I'm your host, Kia Orion. Appreciate you for tuning in as always. Um, this week, I've got a very special guest, the bassist of the ill-fated natives, Betts, uh, Philadelphia native, and um, just all-around kind of rock star cool dude. So if you're a first-time listener, um, feel free to skip this part because I'm just going to talk about myself for a little bit. Um, and my interview with Betts will start in the show notes. But I just like to, you know, flap my gums a little bit about what's going on in my life. So... Um, I've been doing the podcast a week and a song a week um, for the for the past few weeks. When you know, once we got into the new year, that's my 2018 shit. A song and podcast every week, just as a creative process. Because I'm gonna still have my big releases for songs, but I wanted something where it was more of a kind of ongoing creative experiment where I write a lot, but I just don't, a lot of it doesn't see the light of day. And so I was like, man, it'd be cool to actually just put more shit out there that gives me the freedom of expression. I don't feel like I'm, I'm so locked into this one sound or one thing. I've been having some pretty intense conversations with my brother recently, just revolving around what it means to be yourself and be authentic. Um, and not trying to be anything that you're not. So um, right now, I'm, I'm still finding my voice, you know, and, and part of that is I have all these influences of Drake and, you know, early, you know, early shit that I was on, like Old J, Old Nas, Dead Prez, um, you know, Atmosphere, all that type of stuff mixed with my new, these new influences mixed with singing and this sort of up-tempo dance shit that I like. So I've just been trying to combine it all um, and it obviously hasn't been working for the past few years. So I'm like, you know what, let me just dabble and into each one of these sorts of parts of my um, influences and just just make shit that feels more uh, true to self. Shout out uh, Bryson Tiller. So that's kind of where I'm at is it's it's the Nowhere Project still, but instead of releasing four or five songs in chunks, I'll be releasing, um, you know, one song pretty much as I release the podcast. At least that's the goal. Fifty-two songs, fifty-two podcasts at least this year, um, and all sorts of different uh, styles and and shit like that. So I hope you guys have been feeling. I'm just getting weird with it, man. I've been putting on some strange Kanye type, you know, robotic voices. I'm gonna be singing some. I'm gonna be rapping some. Some will be very heartfelt poetry type shit, someone's going to be like up like up-tempo dancing, just all over the place, so that's where I've kind of been creatively, um, no more excuses, man, I'm tired of being fucking broke, it's time to do this thing for real, so I just got all my music up on the streaming services, so iTunes, Spotify, 
um, you know, Google Play. I got the podcast up now on Google Play. Just got the podcast up on Stitcher. I'm tired of fucking around, bro. This this is our year, 2018. Let's go. Um, so that's where I am. I'm still, you know, trying to make make something or nothing. I'm making a penny squeak, but hopefully, I'm on the last round of interviews for a couple gigs that. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get out of, um, what I'm doing now because it's, um, I need something with a little bit more money, a little bit more, um, consistency so that I can, I can put some more money towards this project, these projects. Cause I think that would help me, you know, help them take off if I could put some cool visuals to them and just, um, you know, other elements like that, get some more, some better mixing from my boy Ben, things like that. So that's where I'm at. Um, I sat down recently with my boy Betts who I talked about on the, the very beginning of this intro, um, just uh, he was, it was a, one of those freezing cold nights, and he was willing to chop it up with me. I came over, um, he was watching The Godfather 2, he let me kind of crash his <laughs> his uh, his movie time, so we um, we chopped it up about, just about, you know, some, some overall life shit about his time growing up in Philly, um, what it's like being a Haitian American, and that balance. Um, we talk about how the sort of struggle between having a day job and living this other side of you that sometimes those aren't um, very, uh, they don't always work or gel together. I know I myself personally, I feel like I got the two different sides of myself, but that's why I'm a Gemini, you feel me? Because at work I'm somebody, but my my artistic other shit is somebody completely different. And so Betts relates to that. He makes some really cool analogies about um, your your authentic self and these different sides of you. So we get deep into that. Um, and, you know, you can tell we just have a good time. Uh, it's a lot of laughs. He drops some gems. Um, we, we get into everything from what it's like, what it was like for him opening up as a basis for in these shitty North Philly rap shows to now where they're actually playing shows all over the place. So check the show notes because this is dropping on the 22nd, I believe. And they've got, that means they've got a show tomorrow. If you're listening to this in Philly, um, all the show notes have everything in there. They've got shows this week. They've got some some upcoming music projects. Check them out. Ill-Fated Natives. Everything Ill-Fated Natives. And again, this is my boy, Betts. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. It, it means a lot. All right. Have a good week. Um, hope you're blessed. Uh, let me know what you think. All right. Deuces. Yo, yo, yo. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Orion Radio. Hey. We're uh, currently in the crib. We were watching Godfather 2. <laughs> now we're watching some intense um, nature. The Hunt. <laughs> nature Channel The Hunt. Type That's shit. what it's called. It's a classic. <laughs> it's the a hunt. classic. No, The Hunt is... We've seen every episode multiple <laughs> really? times in this house. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's If you guys, you know need something to watch on netflix and like nature documentaries watch the hunt the, the hunt is the one so as someone who's never even heard of it but you know i'm always i saw planet earth shit mm-hmm. back in the day is it mm-hmm. kind of like that but with animals um well it's it's kind of like planet earth except for planet earth and and those types of documentaries they kind of uh 
if they if they show a predator catching the prey, it's like, oh, this this just happened. Yeah. Oh, and such is life, and they kind of move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The entire fucking point of this series is to show predators catching prey. So it shows like it's basically like here right now we're watching a leopard and it talks about how like a leopard is designed to catch these gazelles and it'll show you in slow motion like the leopard actually, you know, stalking the prey and actually getting it. And that's the whole point. It goes through all these different predators across the world and shows them like hunting and that's like this yeah, the skills and needed for the hunt. Super yeah. dope. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, do you have a favorite one? Um, not really. Uh, all of them are just really, really good. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. I uh, I've never even heard of it before. My bro was telling me about um, some other like Netflix documentaries. Where I'm like, dude, like the older that I get too. Oh, I don't want to set this up. The older that I get too, um, the more documentaries become fascinating to me when i was younger they i just didn't see the appeal but now i'm like there's something about uh that it's based in reality mm -hmm. that i really i really appreciate that more that it's like i'm like this uh, stories obviously there's something beautiful and creative about that too but right. something that like that this is real and tangible or these are real people or real animals whatever this really happened th there's this immediacy to it yeah that yeah makes it very I agree. My my um Gratifying. when we were when we were coming up, uh, my dad was obsessed with like Nat Geo. So he'd always have it on and he'd always every time some an animal was about to get bodied, he'd be like, Oh, look, look, look. <laughs> yeah. And he's just so ever since then me and him we just we would watch him all the time. My little brother hates him. Really? But yeah, yeah, but me and him were watching and what I what I find the most interesting about watching these documentaries is how much in common human beings have with these animals like sometimes i'll see like the mating practices of like um like a, a bird of paradise and like its whole steez is like look at me like all the males walk around with their beautiful feathers and jump around and do all these things just to get the attention of the female and i'm like dude i see niggas in the club you know do the same exact thing like look how fly i am and you know look at me dance and and it's like it makes me really realize how even though we are far away and very separated from the animal kingdom we're just not that far yeah you know it's really crazy dude that's a really good point i don't think we're um i think I think we think we're a lot farther than we really are, but yep. uh, anytime there's some sort of, um, I remember in New York a few years ago, there was that, that there's the blackout. Oh yeah. I was and there. it's like, you were there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like how fast we just like resort into like animal instinct mode yeah, and yeah. just like shit goes off the rails as soon as the yeah, yeah, yeah. goes down. Well, there's a saying, I don't know who said it, but um, it said that society society's only three meals away from, from complete and utter chaos. It's like all you need is, or nine meals away, all you need is to, is, is to miss three days yes, of food yes, and then all of a sudden everybody's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're animals again. So as, that's a sobering L fact. Learn yeah. the fly shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for real, for real. That's a, that's real. a really interesting point. Um, so you said you grew up watching this sort of stuff with pops. Was uh, you know, growing up, did you grow up with both mom and pops in the house? Yeah, 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 pops? yeah. Both my both parents were together. Pop? Yeah. And what did pops do? Uh, my father, um, when we we used to live in New York, so my father was a janitor. Oh, um, and then we moved here, and he's currently a school bus driver. That's what's up. Yeah. yeah when you yeah. were living in New York, um, where were you in? 
Growing up? Brooklyn. I used to live in Midwood, right off of uh, East 18th Street. Yeah, yeah, between Avenue Q and R. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. And um, what did Mama do? Uh, My mom's always been a CNA. Mm. Yeah, CNA. Yep, yep. So I pretend like I know what that is, but I uh, really sir, certified <laughs> certified nursing assistant. Oh, okay, gotcha. So she works in like uh, nursing homes and oh. like yeah, kind of like um, not quite a nurse, but um, kind of helps the day to day with the residents and everything. Dude, that's yeah. a hard gig. Very hard job. She, um, you know, both my parents are immigrants, so um, she's um, you know working with people who are really really old, decrepit, who are you know just defecating on themselves and stuff like that and and it's it's kind of, I've always respected my mom for that she's just got she's such a powerful woman um to do something like that yeah 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 seriously seriously and you know um you, obviously like she's an immigrant if she, if she was born in a country she never ceases to remind us she was born in a country she would be like if i if i had the opportunities you had i'd be a millionaire you know what i mean yeah. and you know knowing her I know she's absolutely right. <laughs> she's like a hundred times smarter than I'll ever be, you know. So um, yeah, she's she's a very 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 patient woman. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I yeah. feel like you gotta have a big heart and a, like you said, a lot of patience for that sort of thing. Just because I, I don't know, it's it, it it isn't thankless, but it is in a lot of ways because yeah, the folks that you're taking care sure. of, I think you you can almost become invisible yeah no i I, i'd agree i think it i think it um actually it's 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 not it's so not thankless it's the opposite almost like the people who are you're trying to help like she's had residents that she's like as she's picking them up to go bathe them because they haven't bathed or whatever they're like cursing her out and using all the slurs on her and stuff like that so the opposite of thankless meaning like people actually so it's not even that's even worse than being invisible yeah it's, it's like they're, they're you're being shot yeah yeah you're being shot all this bullshit you know what i mean and of course there's there's good parts like she's had like she has a lot of families that love her you know um but at the same time you know you've got patients who were coming up you know during the, the fucking you know 60s and shit yeah, and just are stuck in that mindset you know um and she's an immigrant um, so where's she from? Or she's from, uh, yeah, both yeah, both of my parents are from Haiti. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm first generation Haitian. Oh, wow. yeah, Haitian American. Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. did they meet in Haiti? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just yeah. to get a little bit of their story before we launch into you, mm-hmm. um, were they? Was it something where they? The situation just got to be too much in Haiti, or why they ended up? Well, Haiti. When you're in Haiti, um. For the most part, people, you know, and any other country, well, most other countries, especially third world countries, um, you want to come to America or, 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 you know, a first world country yeah. because especially America, because America is, is quote unquote, the land of opportunity. Our branding is yeah. just Our branding, so, yeah, so good and so false. Absolutely but, right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. So this is the land of opportunity. We did incredible and, branding. You know, in ways like there are opportunities like my parents, my parents would, you know, never be able to send three of their kids to college and own a house and have, you know, multiple cars and stuff like that yeah. um, in Haiti. Um, but over here, they they could, you know, they had the opportunity to do so and set their children up for 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 success. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so in a way, it is the land of opportunity. Um, but um, you know, like you said, it's the branding. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just how it's branded. Yeah, it might be a little bit different. But the thing is, as far as um, what they were doing in Haiti. So to be honest, my very first girlfriend was Haitian. And so, I am so sorry for you. No, no, no. It was, it was really dope. She was, she was, she was incredible, and she was 
super cool, but there was a lot of, it was a learning experience for me, a lot about culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, particularly Haitian culture. And uh, she was still, you know, very close with her family. And so kind of becoming, you know, being on the periphery of that, sort of seeing how it was just so different than my own reality. Um, And as far as your parents, did they, did they, well, when they came to the States, were they just like, we're doing anything to get work? Or were they, I know sometimes if you're, in your own country like some people come here they're like might have like a medical degree wherever they're from and they come here and that for some reason that's just unvalid in the states yeah like, what are they i was doing gonna the kind say of that for the sure same sort of stuff that 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 type of thing happens all the time where like there are people who are you know doctors seriously or just doctors, like you know yeah. like multiple masters in other countries and you come to america and they're like yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's crazy that that happens. But uh, yeah, my my mother was always in in the healthcare field, so she oh, was okay. always in the healthcare field. My father actually was an architect. Um, yeah, he was an architect in Haiti. That's um, crazy. Yeah, and he um he's my father's a very intelligent man, but uh, he got into an accident um and he couldn't work anymore as an architect. Um, so that's when they made the decision. I think shortly after that to move. Um, and then he kind of just kind of picked up work where he could get it. Yeah. So my dad worked for, when we were in New York, he worked for a yeshiva for a little bit, which is a Jewish, Jewish? like, yeah, a Jewish, a Jewish like school. Um, yeah. And then, um, then he got a job working for NYPD, NY, M, uh, NY, God damn it. The, the fashion Donna Karen, DKNY. There we go. Uh, yeah, DKNY. Uh, yeah. Okay, so he worked. He worked for them for years, and he was kind of like the custodian there. Um, but he used to get all this free shit, like so many like free clothes from them. Yeah, and like shit that they like were testing out and was like, mm, this style of shirt. And they're like, nah, like samples and stuff like that. They used yeah. to just give it to him because they loved him. Um, so we would just get all these clothes. <laughs> it was crazy. Just decked yeah. out in DKNY. Yeah, just laced up in DKNY, yeah. That's <laughs> such a funny visual. It's like little bets in, uh, in DKNY. You mind if I turn this down just a little bit more? Yeah, thanks. Um, so... Lil Betts decked out DKNY. <laughs> are you were you born in New York? Yes. Yeah, born in New York. And yeah. how old are you before we moved to Philly? Um we moved to Philly when I was like nine and a half. Okay, so like those formative years were all in New York. Yeah, we're all in New York. We're all in Brooklyn. Yeah. And yeah. was there a reason mom and dad chose is there a big Haitian population in that part of Brooklyn? Massive. Really? Massive. Yeah. Island the Caribbean islanders are very well represented in, in, in Midwood. Um because then you start to head out to, if you start to head out to the east a little bit more, you know, you're hitting like Canarsie and, and East New York and all, and all of that. That's where like you start to touch Bed-Stuy and all of that. Yeah, but, yeah. But around where we were, we were around Flatbush. So that's heavy, Trini, Jamaican, Haitian, mm. big time, big time. Islanders were, were, and still to this day, you know, very well represented in, in, in Brooklyn. That's like, dope. For sure. Yeah. I, I lived in... um. Uh, Williamsburg for a little bit in this Dominican spot in Williamsburg and it was cool but it was it was definitely I got there like as all the white kids it was like this, this is where the cool kids are yeah. so it, it, I didn't quite get that same vibe of like yeah. growing up in New York where it's like these are the different cultures so right. on and so forth it was more just I I I, I really dislike New York now it's a di- I feel yeah. like I I couldn't imagine growing up there mm-hmm. because of the New York that I know 
now is just so intense. Yeah. But I've heard people talk about how, you know, at different times too, um, having certain sense of community and yeah. things like that, that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Really I and I mean, you know, when I was coming up, my my parents my parents were very strict, so it wasn't like I was out running the streets or anything at right. like eight. You know, um, so I I didn't really really know the neighborhood like that like that, but I just knew that like when I was going to bed. I was hearing like reggaeton or you know what I mean, like bachata <laughs> yeah. blasted, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or dance yeah. hall just really dump into like three in the morning, and you know I would I would step outside and and be the you know all the bodegas are yeah, popping, you yeah. know, and um, there's there is that sense of culture that now, you know, you get the feeling that a lot of people are are have moved into the area because they saw that and they're like, oh, that's cool, you know, and I, I want 100%. that. I think you know I'm saying a hundred percent guilty of that too. Yeah, yeah. and, and that, you know, yeah. and it happens, and and sometimes there's there's a good and a bad when when with that with that type of thing, it, it makes the entire neighborhood kind of a, like a lot of a, there's a lot of areas in New York where people wouldn't be caught dead walking through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not, like, nevertheless, having a bar there or whatever, and that now today, like, people are frequenting and going out and seeing right. shows and stuff like that. Dude, um, th- that's where I, w- I used to work at this little cafe, uh, um, Reconnect Cafe, Shadow Reconnect, and it was right near the Tompkins Projects, which are then not too far from the Marcy Projects, which is where Jay Z's from. And exactly. It's like, but at that exactly. point, like, at this point now, it's. You know, it's it ain't it's it's yeah. nothing compared mm-hmm. to um, how it used to be. So, right, you grow up, young man, mm-hmm. in New York. You're you're getting the bachata, you know, the reggaeton <laughs> influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you all move to Philly, um, mm-hmm. and I already I know I I might already know the the answer to this question, but how many siblings do you have? I've got two. Two. Yeah. Deb. Deb, yeah, that's my little sister, and Ruben is my my youngest brother. The youngest brother. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest of of three. three. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of responsibility, too. The the, the oldest man. First generation. generation, um, Yeah, the very first child that my you know my parents had in this country so a lot of expectations yes for sure that that's one thing too that i um i learned partially when i was you know uh had my first girlfriend was she it was this constant um this she was constantly navigating this balance between her her traditional parents Mm -hmm. and american culture right and straddling this line between like being an outcast from her family and yeah. just trying to be like a normal American for sure. Kid. Did you, what was, what was it like for you growing up and navigating that? So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely the case. I mean, um, you know, when you're, when your parents are foreigners, they're, you're, they're used to life in the old country yeah. and how, how, you know, kids should be in the old country and like Haitian culture there's especially, you know, this this is emboldened by the fact that my parents are religious. So oh. there's like that whole other aspect where there are certain things that you do and you don't do. And um, coming up, um, you know, I was constantly faced with, okay, either I do this and I make my parents happy or and I suffer. Yeah. Or, you know, I do this and I make myself happy and I know my parents are going to be disappointed. Right. And I, I disappointed my parents a lot. <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's just kind of how it is. Excuse me. Like, that's just kind of how it is. You kind of have to make decisions um, and, and kind of weigh the scales. Like, what should I do? Sacrifices for it. Yeah, that, that's a really difficult place to be, man. I, I yeah. mean... I, I 
commend you for for I feel like you know you turned out all right. Yeah, well, yeah I'm yeah. still turning. <laughs> you know, yeah, still turning. Yeah. There's still time. Um, right. <laughs> but so were some of those things. I remember um, when we were even talking about uh, things like maybe New Year's Eve or like holidays or something like that, where she right. want to go with her friends. Yeah. And that's supposed to be like family time or right. something like that. Right. Um, for you, with the religious aspect of it, what was the religion that they were? Um, they're Protestant. Protestant. Yeah, so yeah, Protestant. growing up, was that sort of a um, did that run heavy throughout your whole family and, and growing up for you? Or was uh, that not as yeah, important? I mean, big time. There was like, uh, so so I'm a musician, um, and I started off playing in church, um, and that's because my parents always like my parents started me playing piano when I was like three or four, and um, you know, faithfully they wanted me to play piano so that I could play piano in church, you know, um, and I ended up hating piano. <laughs> And then even when we moved and then I picked up uh, bass after a while, um, I was playing in church and then they didn't want me doing anything else with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so when I started gigging and when I started like, you know, writing my own music and then eventually forming, you know, uh, like like being parts in bands, forming bands and, yeah. and stuff like that, um, they were very upset. <laughs> that's very upset. That's yeah. Nuts. So and it, and it and it's very and I mean even even beyond the music thing, like even hanging out with friends and stuff. Like this this New Year's Eve that just passed was my first time. I went to church with my family, and afterwards I was like, hey, um, you know, it was like one in the morning. I'm like, hey, I'm about to go hang out with my friends, and I was shocked because my mom was like, okay, but you know, I, I don't live at home anymore. But it, it, it still took me a second. Yeah. I was like, wait, she said okay because that. That had never happened before. You know, there were so many times where, like, I was stuck at church, you know, for New Year's Eve. Like, right. damn, I want to be in New right. York to see the ball drop. You know what I'm saying? And, like, and I never got that opportunity. So so there's, like, these cultural and, and religious aspects that they tried to, you know, impose onto, onto my life. And they were like, this is the way that life is, you know, and if you don't do this, you're going to be a bad person. And I had to, yeah, and I had to make those decisions for myself. Yeah. That's interesting. Have you heard of um, the producer DJ K Trinata? Absolutely. So Haitian. Yes, Haitian. Yeah. I I yeah. saw this little mini documentary on him, yeah. and he was talking about how it took a long time. He was like, as a musician, he was like, he. It was so funny. He was like, he's like, this is just not considered like a real career. Oh my for god, my no. Parent. He was oh, like, no. they still want me at some point. Just like be a doctor or something yeah, and, and, yeah. He, and he's like one of the most yeah. popping producers yeah, right now he is. That, yeah he's amazing yeah, yeah that he's, he's like he's this really is really amazing yeah and i'd imagine when i when i heard that when i found out he was haitian i was like oh he had a tough time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then he recently came out um i think it was a yes. fader article like last year he came out as gay and i was like oh he really he had a tough really time a especially time. if his parents were religious you know and and you can see even in the you know the 99.9 percent album like the imagery there's a lot of religious imagery in in the album i've, I've got the record on vinyl i saw it when yeah I came yeah in yeah it's yeah, dope yeah. Album. it's really it's really like i think it's really really good um but you can tell he was influenced by that but i couldn't imagine being um a first generation musician on top of that being gay in a haitian household yeah. you know what i mean and and especially like 
the type of music I play, my parents don't understand. Absolutely not. But they see me playing the bass, and they're like, okay, I, I understand it. He's playing. I couldn't imagine, like, making music from my computer. Right. You know what I mean? And then telling not, my parents, like, yeah, this, I, I can make money doing this. There's no way they would ever believe that. <laughs> right. Never. But actually <laughs> having the like, real instrument yeah, stuff, Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, for those that don't know... Um, you're going to be hearing the name real soon. No faded natives, especially if you're in Philly. This shit is, you know, going to be all over the place. Um, talk a little bit about as far as the bass coming into the picture. When did that, uh, you know, because I want this to be about you, but I'm also fascinated just as a, you know, artist myself about the music side of things. Right. When did the bass for you really kind of start to become a, a passion and... It, or even more than that, you know, you sort of have that that thought in the back of the head, like, man, this is something that I really want to do for real, for real. Yeah. Um, so I probably picked up the bass for the first time ever when I was, like, 14, 14, 15. Um, and um, what happened was I at, at the age of, like, 9, 10, around the time when we moved to Philly, I got really sick of playing piano because mm. I had been playing since I was four and I was forced every week to go. And also I was playing music that I didn't want to play. Yeah. I was just like, this is horrible. The I don't want to do this. Yeah. And it wasn't even, yeah, it was, it was church music. But even beyond that, like I was still, I wasn't, I wasn't progressing because I wasn't, my heart wasn't into it. Right. So, um, so eventually I, I, I quit piano around 10 and then for like four years, I just wasn't doing anything. You know, I was just being, you know. A, a teenager. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing at that time? In the sense of for fun, you just between ten and fourteen. Yeah. I, I I can't even really remember. Are you, are I was playing video kid? games. Video no, games, dude. Now my parents were really afraid for me to play any sports. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I never played sports, which is a thing that I kind of like now. Like all my homies, like yo, we're about to play ball, and I'm like, Psh, I'll watch. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> yeah, okay, word. Like, yeah, so I suck at ball. I so can't. <laughs> that's interesting. So it's yeah. just sort of you were just kind of kicking with the homies, and there wasn't any sort of thing that you were doing. Yeah, no, nothing in particular. Just kind of. Like playing video games, you know, reading. I got really into like trying to. I was I was always I was always writing. So I I tried to. I was like making my own comics for for a while, mm. um, until a friend of mine was like, "Yo, you suck at drawing," <laughs> like, and I had to come to terms with that. Like, as soon as you need someone to check, you yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, you yeah. do, yeah, yeah. So I and I, you know, I did suck at drawing. So I like. I ended up for 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 a little bit. I was I would write stories and have my friends like draw like to them, like illustrate them. You know what I mean? The comic books. Um, but I wasn't really doing anything musically. Um, but I was always still kind of into music. I remember like probably around thirteen, fourteen. Like I got my first like laptop, and I um, downloaded Fruity Loops. I was just making stupid beats, and then like I found a plugin that was like Auto Tune, and and this was like. Like I, I started to. Um, this might have been a little bit later, actually. But I would, I would, I would like, like cover T Pain songs. You know, me and my little brother would be in my room with this little webcam mic covering T Pain songs dude, and shit. You got it. Yeah. It all starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah, dude. somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah. Real. So it was all always. Um, but like around the age of fourteen, I'd say, um, I found a bass in my basement, and I like took it, and it was my dad's. Like a friend of my dad's had given it to him, and I just started fucking around with it, and then like every single day I'd come home from school and just play with it you know what I mean and I didn't know what I was doing but eventually my parents saw that I was like really into it so um they uh, uh they had me go to this dude who's this like guitar player and he taught me kind of like you know this is the E string the A string stuff like oh. that how to hold it and um and I did a couple lessons with that guy and then I, I stopped going there 
Um, and then my parents got me like a little practice amp, and then ever since then, I just was playing bass, dude. Like, yeah, nonstop. Speaking of comic books, that sounds like some sort of superhero shit where you find the bass in, in the bass, right? Like you know, the, the, your true the, calling, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The box stuffed in the back, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, like a close up on yeah. your face as you right, pick it right, up. Right, you know right, right. It's like, yeah, yeah. Did you ever read the Animorphs? Like back in the day, the Animorphs was like these these kids, like they found like this stone from space, and they all like, what is this? And they all touched it, and all of a sudden gained the ability to like turn into different animals and that's kind of how it was i saw the bass, the bass and was like yeah it. i'm like oh <laughs> like i'm a bass player up in now your yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be 26 still doing this yes you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah no no yeah. i like i picked it up and i just really fell in love with it then that's i would like crazy i would like listen to songs and and, and try to play them on the bass and stuff like that and uh it was just my thing yeah. and yeah, so sure. so around senior high school then um, you know, when you're thinking of going to college, you're thinking of, you know, everybody's going off doing their own thing. Are you, is, is it even a possibility for you at that point of thinking of maybe doing the bass thing or like is full it full time? Yeah. Like, like where are you at senior of high school? So your, senior of high school, I was, I was in jazz band actually, central high school, two, six, eight, shout mm. out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was in jazz band, um, in, in senior year of high school. So I was playing, I was playing the double bass, the big upright bass, um, and electric, um, for, for jazz band. And, um, I really liked it a lot, but, um, something about the structure of academic music, I didn't fuck with. Right. Um, and it might've been because I don't have the patience or, and, and now I'm really trying to teach myself to read music again. Um, but, um, you know, back then I was reading music and I was just like, eh, I don't really like this, you know? Yeah. And also too, like, it was weird what I, what I find with a lot of kids who are, um, in the academic world and I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them, when you sit down and you're like, yo, let's jam. And they're like, all right, well, where's the, where's the lead sheets? You know what right. I mean? Like, exactly. <laughs> show me the, show me the sheet music and I'll play. And it's like, no nah, man, just play. Yeah. And, I, and it was something about like that, that. I didn't want to get tied into like, okay, I can only play if I have the sheets, you know, the sheet music in front of me. Um, so I kind of, um, coming out of high school, I knew that I wanted to continue music. I knew, but I knew that I couldn't not, I couldn't not go to college uh, because of my parents. Mom and dad. Yeah, yeah absolutely not. Yeah. It would never fly. It would yeah. never fly. So, um, you know, I, I, I picked up, I, I continued playing bass, but I, I tried to find um, a major in college that would give me the leeway to continue doing what I wanted to do, but also, you know, pay the bills. And what did that end up being? Uh, so um, I ended up becoming an IT major, information science. Oh, okay. yeah. And where'd you go to yeah. school? I, so I, I did two years um, at Montgomery County Community College. And then I, I went to, I finished out my degree at Temple. Okay, word. Yeah. Yeah. So stick around, stick around Philly. For sure, Philly, for sure. Philly dude. So yes, yes. Um, do the Temple thing. And yeah. While you're there, are you start? Is that when you start trying to do the make, have bands? But where yeah, is your, where I is would your say I would say maybe like second year of college was when I'm like, all right, let me let me do this for real. You because know, it's I mean? hard as a basis to kind of just rock out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, you can you can you can gig and everything like that. Um, but I wasn't at that time. I don't think I was. That I wasn't good enough to like. All right, I'm just gonna get. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? You like I was still nice. like yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. You know? So um so I I like was like all right well you know I 
I like the way certain things sound. I like certain chord changes. I like the way they sound. I'm putting stuff together all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, let me try to like maybe maybe be in a band. And I and I wasn't actively like, yo, let me be in a band, but I was just kind of open to the idea. You know, I wasn't actively like, okay, I'm trying to find guitars or whatever. Right. But I was just open to the idea. And around um I would say second year of college, um, that's when Oh, O and I, um, he's the guitarist in my current band, Ill Fated Natives. Um, o and I went to high school together and we had started jamming in high school. Um, but I'd say like actually it was it was like first year, end of first year of college. Um, he approached me. Um, he was like, Yo, I've got this rapper, you know what I mean? Like and and me and him have been kind of jamming out in my garage. And at this time, like during the summer, Owen Owen and I have been we're jamming out in his garage like separately. And he's like, We're already like I'm like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday I'm doing it with this guy. <laughs> yeah. And Friday, Saturday, you know, Sundays I'm doing it with you. We might as well just do it together. Um, so then the three of us just kinda got together and wrote a couple tracks and then um we decided to be a band. And um, that's that was my first band. Okay, and what was the name of that band? And the Nameless, we were called. And the Nameless. And the Nameless. That, yeah. That's a sick name. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it nameless, was like yeah. punk. That's a good. That's not like a very <laughs> yeah, right. Punk that was band really cool. Name. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, uh, we were like almost like, I I don't want to say I don't want to say the Roots because the Roots is more neo soul. Um, we were definitely more blues, like almost blues hip hop. Oh, say. that's sick. Yeah. yeah. And um, how long did you guys? I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how it ended or what happened, but if you want to get into it, but yeah, what, yeah. um, how long were you guys a thing? How far did you go with it? What'd you do? And what happened? I'd say we probably did that for like maybe two years. Oh shit! A year and a half, two years. Are you guys playing like shows? Yeah, records? we were we were gigging. We were we were hitting a couple places in the city. Um, the thing about being like a band in the city, a black band in the city, I should say, is that people don't know how to bill you for real. Mm. So we were like a we were like a hip hop kind of like hip hop but with like bluesy guitar, Owen guitar. Um and then at this point we had picked up a guitar player who was really he's a really good player. Maddie Barrison is a is a, is a really great guitar player. Um and he's kind of coming from U Arts, so he's doing jazz, like uh. jazz chords and stuff like that. Um, we were playing with the with the djembe player, um, so it kind of like we would end up on showcases with like straight hip hop, like straight rappers. You're like you know not what I mean? like, so like turned enough to like be in like yeah, those like, like yeah, exactly. shitty club and shows. We're not playing, yeah, we're not <laughs> yeah. playing with tracks. So we would play after like twelve, you know, dudes from North Philly with tracks. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, like and then it was us. Shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it was um <laughs> It was definitely uh it was definitely a learning experience, bro. There were so many nights where I was like coming home at three in the morning and my parents are about to kill me. Like, where the fuck have oh, you been? You still live with my dad. I'm still at home, yeah. I'm oh, still at home. Such you know a- what I mean? And they're like, Where the fuck have you been? And I I, I made like five bucks. You know what I mean? Oh. And I've been out since like seven. Watching you know what I'm saying? shitty rappers. Yeah, watching yeah. shitty rappers the whole time, like, yo, when are we gonna go on? Blah, yes. blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And and um so we, we learned a lot during that era for sure. Um definitely learned a lot. What ended up happening to that band as far as did you feel as guys had your run and that was it? I feel like bands, the older I get now, the more I understand how difficult it is to actually yeah, keep a band. Because I, I'd say it's 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 very tough because you've got 
especially when you're when you're working with very talented people. Every, every I think everybody that I've ever played with is very talented. So so especially in this band, everybody was very talented. But because of that, everybody has their own ideas, right? And they want everything to go in a spe specific direction. Um, and you know, as I started to come into my own as a musician, and as O started to come into his own as a musician, and eventually at some point we picked up, like we picked up Joey, and he became a part of that band. Mm. Um, and you know, three of us have our own ideas, and we wanted to go, you know, specific place, and we're gelling really well. Other people weren't kind of gelling that well, and right. and kind of like you know, weren't feeling the way that stuff was going. Um, so creative differences. <laughs> Such as every band's breakup. So then that band, you can start to sell, you know, can tell things aren't quite gelling as well. Do you approach, who's the one who, who rallies the three of you together, who kind of is like, yo, let's do this, just the three of us? So what ended up happening is that um, there were a couple of gigs that we did where like one member of the band where one member of the band really like tried to like stunt on some ego shit and uh, like out on the in the in the nameless band yeah and and the oh, nameless. Okay. was it and then the, it was the rap <laughs> <laughs> it's always gonna yo it's always gonna be the lead Damn, that's kind of crazy <laughs> yo and dude trust me listen i'm a guy who's, who's trying to be hip-hop shit it's always gonna be that dude and i feel it i mean uh, and I, you know it was it's it was not just gonna kind be of, the basis man. Right? I'm <laughs> and i you know but I, I would say you know i would say when i when i speak about that too it, like we were all coming into our own so so I, I think we also did play a part in that. We wanted, like, no, I want my ideas exactly. heard too. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So we also tried to flex on some ego yeah. shit. And um, then the guitarist was just like, you know what? I'm not with it. And he dipped. The djembe player who we were playing with already wasn't fucking with it. So he kind of <laughs> dipped too. He was already out. So then it was just the four of us. And then, like, it just kind of came to a head. And, um, you know, the rapper went his way. Yeah. So then, like, me, Joey, and O... We're like not quite a band, but also we were still playing with each other. And Joey was, Joey has been gigging since he was, you know, growing hair on his face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so like a long he was time. just, yeah, he's been gigging like for forever. So he was already like doing his own, like he, he was playing at, you know, open mics and playing, you know, as he was like, yo, I got this gig, you know, and like, you know, they really need a house band. Like y'all trying to just play with me. It was at Legendary Dobbs. So we played a couple times there. Um, then like oh it was like yo I got a couple songs I've been working on like you know trying to just run these drums like yeah you know what I mean so like we played them a couple times and eventually people were just like like there were times where like we had like two songs and like when we played them both like people were like play them again you know like we <laughs> oh, want to hear them again oh, you know what I'm saying and then like it came to a point where one bowl was just like yo I love y'all music like what's the name of the band and we're just like damn we're a band like we we are like yeah. so then at that point we just made the decision like all right fuck it like let's let's do this let's be a thing um so you know oh and i like kind of we had this huge like long text thread which is now gone in the ether it's just gone <laughs> which i'm upset about but we we're just shooting names at each other like band names over the course of like three days and eventually we landed on ill-fated natives and um we brought it to joey joey's like yeah that's it like yeah what were some that and didn't then, make the cut 
Oh my god! Uh, there are always some gems in there. Yeah, the, there's Peace Pipe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Young Brothers. I think was one. Yeah, no, that's kind of dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, the um, yeah, there's. Uh, this only problem with that name is it doesn't have a lot of longevity. Yeah, you know I don't what think I mean? so. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were old. Yeah, these Young Brothers are gonna morph into something. You know what I mean? There's like ill fated sons was one, but faded with ph. Oh, um, yeah, it'll so that's yeah. the thing too. When you think about the names, it's hard because you think of like you said, getting built on shows. If you come on as young brothers, you're gonna get a bunch of those rap shows. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, We're like yeah, ill-fated yeah, natives. Yeah. I, what's cool about that name is I have no preconceptions of what that's supposed to sound like. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Which is a really uh, listening to interviews with Jamie Fox when he would talk about coming up playing shows and open mics using his real name and not they wouldn't bring him on because he was a guy or he was a young black man whatever right. that he he chose a name that was he thought was just like a standard could be boy or girl yeah yeah you couldn't really know could, which exactly way you didn't yeah. know who yeah that, what yeah. is jamie you were same Agreed. with you guys where the name it's cool because i have to wait for my impressions for you for me to hear the music first for sure for sure and i i i always like that about us i think that like Especially early on, um, you know, when we'd get billed at these at these showcases, we'd step on stage and people were like, "All right, cool, it's a trio. They're about to like do some ego shit. They're yeah, about to rap." Right, right. I'm saying, then when we pick up instruments, everybody's like, "Oh yeah. shit!" You know what I yeah. mean? And I always like that look of surprise when we pick up our instruments and like, "Oh and shit!" Like, to, shred on that, that shit too. Yo, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> always like that's always the thing. Like we always just like, "All right, we about to go to fucking right." You know what right. I'm saying? Like and, and do our very best. Yo, as a as a as a minority group mm-hmm. of three, you know, black men playing mm-hmm. in Philly, mm-hmm. playing instruments. Yeah. When you come into shows, do you feel like you come in and you have to w- win over the audience like an extra amount to mm. get over the fact that you guys are like very talented um musicians because the stereotypes that people have about you know what i mean if you they see you they think whatever they're gonna think especially right. coming out of philly right where when you come on to shows how do you feel like you interact with audiences in that um that, i'd say that i know you i honestly think that audiences have definitely in a lot of ways become more open-minded um and I, i'll find that like when we play a set whether it's like in Brooklyn or like in North Philly or if we're playing out in, you know, fucking Doylestown or, yeah. you know, or in like, just, just in random, like little like neighborhoods that you wouldn't ever expect. You know what I'm saying? Um, people are just generally like curious, like, Oh, what are they about to do? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, what's Plus up? You guys yeah. all look, so it's like super interesting too like oh you know what comes on is that rad ass right, jacket yeah. he's got his boxing boots on right. like, I remember when I met I was like yo this dude's on some arts shit <laughs> like, like right. you, you know what I mean like you guys all have your own yeah. kind of swag going yeah, on yeah, you know yeah. and Joey's his own character yeah, too yeah for sure characters I, I think that's I think that's a great word for us I think each of us are our own character yeah and we all dress in different ways but also the same yeah. in crazy way. It's you know similar. Like, I know what you mean. Different, yeah. but the aesthetic is yeah, all yeah, kind of. Very, very similar. Yeah. So, and I think when audiences look at that, they're just genuinely curious. Like, ooh, like what are they about to yeah. do? I'd say like the, the, the feeling of needing to prove something. And I, I won't even say prove something, but the feeling of needing to like be like, we can really do this shit comes either with other acts or uh-huh. um, industry people. Mm. Because industry people, 
for the most part, are very one-track minded. So if an industry person sees us, they're like, all right, you guys are supposed to be a rap group. Rule you know number 4,080 working industry people are shady. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Classic bar. Yo, you know what I'm but because <laughs> it's, it's the truth, because they if they see you, it's instead of being like, oh, man, Bess, that was a great set. I love the music. It's going to say, okay, so... How can we bill you? How can we monetize this yeah, in some way? Yeah, we need to way? get this image to match Exa- the music. Exactly. In a way that we can produce money off. Right. Bets, talk Absolutely. about that a little bit. It yeah. sounds like you have some, You guys have had some experience yeah, with that. Yeah, for sure. So well, you know, the music business, one thing to remember about it, it's it's a business that creates music. You know, a lot of people come into it thinking that, like, the music moves the business. And that's how it should be. But really, it's 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 really the business. The business when you're when you're really talking about the buku bucks, it's the business that pushes where the music goes and the trends in music and, and how that's supposed to go. And you know, say what you want about it, but that's just the way of the world. So, because of that, you know, you have to be mindful of like how you're how you're presenting yourself to these industry folks. And um, when we're playing, we kind of know like, okay, we're we don't look like we're supposed to be playing. We're playing blues music. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We don't look like we're we're about to rock out, play like some crazy ass punk music. You right. know what I'm saying. Um, and this was early on. We didn't look the part. I would say. So I'd say over the years, we've definitely drastically changed our style. I mean, if you find early ill-fated footage you'd see me on stage with like a flannel and like jeans you know what i'm saying and like oh you know that's but, just the way that we were and that's cool i i definitely agree but there's something about you know if i'm a, if if you're a blues band or if you're a punk band and like these these lyrics that we're spitting you know what i'm saying like are talking about going against the establishment and shit like that you have to go on that stage you know wearing some shit right right you know what i'm yeah. saying like people people have to have to hear you before they hear you almost. Right. You know what I'm right, saying? Like right. when you walk into a room, people gotta be like, oh shit, who who are these guys? Yeah. Like with these bright ass jackets, you know what I'm saying, wearing their shirts open, you know, That's like what I'm <laughs> like you said with the characters thing, as soon you know what I mean? It's like, oh, first time I met him ever, you can just tell, okay, this dude, there's something I think super fly sometimes about that understated vibe, like just right. the flannel and jeans, whatever, but then I mean that's like every middle aged guy who's gigging. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you take exactly. you know, that like exactly. that's what all. He just came right, from yeah. taking he care of like four of the kids. Like, <laughs> he just put his kids to <laughs> so, bed. Oh shit! You know? I got a show tonight. Let me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, exactly. He's in his comfortable bed. He's playing right. with his homie. So, you know, as far as you guys go too, in in this day and age of sort of the music industry, music business that that is in, you know in a very sort of tumultuous point where are as far as the um mindset of the band where are you guys in the sense of moving it forward are you trying to just cultivate your fans locally do it all diy are you trying to um you know i get some record distribution what what what's the sort of goal with the three of you right now i think um in some aspect there is there is the we 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 do want to infiltrate the the industry in some way. Um, now, what that looks like, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, obviously, nobody wants to sell out. You know what I mean, and, and change the way that our records are 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 written drastically or or whatever. Um, but there are a couple. There are a few concessions that we make sometimes because we know that we basically, if you're trying to get a message across, I if I if I'm trying to preach this message. 
and only two people are here, that's great that two people heard this message. But if there's a way that I can tweak the message, that the masses get the message, then, you know what I mean, that's even better right. for the message. If you um, can reach... Yeah, a yeah, a bigger audience. So there's, so there's different ways that we're, we, you know, we're, we, we've been over, over the course of, you know, the past, even the past few months, just trying to tweak, tweak the music so that, you know, it's still the same hard hitting, you know, ruthlessness, but at the same time, more digestible, so that accessible. people will take it and accessible, yeah. yes, so that people can take it in. And uh, basically, my goal now when I'm writing music is I want people to be singing my lyrics and have their shit stuck in their head. A million times before they actually sit down and be like, wait a minute, this shit is actually singing some real shit. Yeah. You know, and there's so many songs that you sing and then later on and you're like, oh shit, like I didn't had no idea. Now that message is in you, it's ingrained in you. When before you didn't even know, I think that a lot of times, you know, when you're trying to get a message across, you come off as preachy and that's when people get turned off. You're like, listen to what I got to say and you know what I mean? Trying to shove it down your throat. Exactly. And you're shoving it down the throat and people, that's when people get turned off. But if you're, you almost have to trick people. Almost like, hey, listen to this hot ass track. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, this shit is fire. And then later on, they're like, oh shit, this shit is about like, you know, the United States. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, and that's how you get that message across. So that's that, that's kind of been the goal lately. For dude, sure. when I think about Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like as one of those sure. bands that growing up was super influential for me. And I didn't even know, yo, just those tracks were hot and they made me feel. I didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about, right. but I felt it you because felt it. the music was so dope. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like those guys, you throwing Gorilla Radio. Yes. You know what I mean? Shout out Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> I was right, like, right. I was, I was losing my mind. I still do. I'll go back to those Rage records. Like, just the energy and it was all there. And now, as a grown man, I'll be like, Yo, those are some dope. That's that's dope art when Real it, shit. Like, you know what i mean no, like no you're right you're right man and i i think that there's a way and i i i there's a way there's a way to get your music across so that people are picking it up and really getting like oh shit and getting into it and then later on catching that message and and so many classic classic bands have done it and that's just kind of what we're trying to find we're trying to find what that sounds like yeah. what that looks like and stuff like that so that's what we're trying to do now okay word and as far as the creative process you said you were writing how does it work between the three of you as far as writing songs super collaborative um i would say that kind of what what ends up happening is like I'll have an idea, or O has an idea, or Joey has an idea, and um, we'll just bring it to the table. Either, like a lot of times, like, I'll just write, from my perspective, a lot of times I'll have ideas that, like, I haven't fleshed out yet, that I, but I know it's fire. I'll just bring it to the table. Like, yo, listen to this show. I'm like, do you guys, sometimes you have to bring it to the table a couple times, you know what I'm saying, for them to be like, oh, shit, yeah, that shit is hot. So walk me through it in the sense of, is that the sense of you got a lick? Is that the sense of you've written a verse and a chorus? Is that the sense of you just have an idea? Could be all of that. And all of it. Could so be all it of that, be yeah. Sometimes I'll be watching, like, I don't know. I was watching uh, True Detective the other day. Fine. And, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, had, I just got into the series. Yo, for so dope. And, um... In season one, uh, Matthew McConaughey character like at one point says like Yeah, man, I don't sleep anymore. I just dream." I was like, "What? That's fire!" So I just wrote that like I don't I don't sleep. I just dream. I just wrote that down. And like at some point, I might bring that to them and like, "Yo, you know, like I don't sleep. I just dream. Like let's try to see if we could put that like even if it's just like a passing line or something like that." Or um, 
I'll be like fooling around on the bass or washing dishes or, you know, taking a shower and then something will pop into my head like a riff and I'll just put it down and it might not uh, record it on my phone and it might not be anything for, you know, months. And then like one day, like we're all sitting around like, okay, let's see what we can kind of, we're in a creative space right now and I'll just listen to it and be like, oh, what about this? And like, yeah, that's fire. And we'll like record it and then build on it. You know what I'm saying? And then everybody will just kind of have their own input. Um, a lot of times will come to the table with finished products, like already, like this is how it's in my head. I've got all the lyrics written down already. Yeah. I've got, you know, what it, what I want it to sound like, just lay the bass on this. You know, Joey will be like, Joey just wrote a song the other day and brought it to the table and he had like everything tracked out already. So all three of you will write? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, that's yeah, dope. You know what? Dude, so yeah. what's interesting, as a solo artist, mm -hmm. for me, it's I'm fascinated with that idea of it being so um and, and a little envious admittedly that like <laughs> because i'll have certain ideas but i'm like i don't have the whole thing to turn this into an actual piece right. but like it, i'll have like you said either little cool. lines yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this would be cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think it'd be cool to have someone like that or like or homies where you come together and you say like yo i've got this line and just especially because i'm not a a talented musician in that regard where I can just like jam mm. to just be like, yo, let's just fuck around. Let's we're here. Let's play. Yeah. And, and kind of that energy that you get from collaboration. Yeah. Um, especially with, with guys that you are close friends, brothers with right. young brothers. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Young brothers. <laughs> young brothers. <laughs> um, that, that uh, there's a real beauty and I think magic in that if you can get it to work. Yeah. I was going to say, um, it's it when it's when it's working it's great <laughs> <laughs> that's but, the catch but that's the, that's definitely the catch and again you know it's 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 three guys all of us are talented um and um when you come to the table sometimes you want your shit heard more than anything else. You're like, no, this is this is good. We should we should focus on this. You know what I mean? It's hard to like get everybody to like get on that same page. Um, how so do you, how do you balance that? Uh, it's just really like kind of it it, it it it's it for us. It it turns out it happens to be like a matter of like necessity. So. So there are there are months where we go through where we we're not really writing any new shit. We're just perfecting shit we've already got for shows and stuff like that that's upcoming or if we're about to record or whatever. We're just kind of like, all right, we need to hone this in, like get this super super tight mm -hmm. for this for these next you know this this series of shows or whatever that we're about to do. Um, and then there's times where we have a little bit more bandwidth. Um, where we're like, okay, we're kind of like working on new ideas. Like right now, everybody's in a like bring ideas to the table mm. um, mindset. So when we're in that mindset, it's a lot easier to like, yo, I just have this shit that, you know, I, I think you guys should hear this, Sean. It's not anything yet, but, you know, what what do you think we can do with this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's it's like going back and forth between getting ready for shows and getting getting your stuff that you already have like tight. And moving to like, all right, perfecting new stuff. I've yeah. heard artists talk, you know, just because I'm in the hip hop world, rappers talk about like touring. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, they're on tour, that's the time they're performing. And sometimes right. how it can be hard to write when you're on tour, yeah. record, whatever. You're yeah. tired, you're meeting people, you're doing the shows, yeah. whatever. And then you have like album time when you lock yeah. in, yeah. you're there. You like you lock yourself into a creative space. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I find that a lot of times those times can be like very stressful so much pressure because yeah so much pressure um you know and it's like it, it's like damn i gotta get you know five songs written by the end of the month you know what i'm saying and like i've got to get these knocked out and 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 it's it's hard to come up with like fresh ideas 
when you're forcing yourself to do it. Um, but like on the on the other side of the coin, that is so it's so important to do that because then it's like a muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're practicing getting to a deep creative space, the more you do it, the quicker you can reach those like depths. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 find it. Sometimes you do have to force yourself to write. Force yourself like, okay, I gotta do it. I gotta you know what I'm saying? Cause then it makes it easier for you in the future. Yeah, just they practiced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um okay, so as far as uh you know the band goes, um and these and and Mr. Coach Lewis is still the manager. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lewis okay, is, yeah, man, okay, word. Yeah. So, because I interviewed him a little bit ago too, oh, and, word. Yeah, and so he was yeah, telling yeah, me yeah, how yeah. we kind of came on board. So, yeah. with the three of you, are you thinking? Are you keeping it just the three of you? Uh, as far as the band, yeah, yeah, that's working really well for us right now. There's no, there's no, um, we don't have any intention of adding anybody as a permanent member of the band. Okay, cool, yeah, for sure. And so, as far as you know, making the podcast applicable to folks that are interested and, um, you know, getting into music. I, I do it partially, you know, for myself, but also mm-hmm. for, cause I'm, I'm trying to hack your creative mind, you know, but also for, <laughs> that's what for we li- do out here. Yeah, no, that's what we got to do <laughs> for listeners out there too. What sort of, um, advice would you give to maybe your younger self or young folks that are, that are coming up musicians interested in, playing in a band or mm-hmm. you know how do you kind of get the the start and the momentum doing that mm, there's a there's there's so how to how to get the start honestly start <laughs> that's, a, that's the key. yeah if i could go back in time if i could go back in time to like that that time of my life where i was doing nothing i would have shoved a bass in my face you know then yeah i'm like yo dude like play now you know what i'm <laughs> yeah. saying and um it's 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 really it's really it's really crazy like um i i saw like somebody like tweeted john mayer like a little while ago it was like hey man like do you have any like advice on like writing like good songs like writing really great songs like how to start writing great songs and he was just like yeah step one like write a bad song <laughs> repeat step one so they're good you know what i mean yeah, yeah. you just have to you have to do it and um i love that advice. yeah yeah it's really it's really just like if you if you never start, you're never gonna get anywhere. And I think that one thing that we do as human beings, we just kind of like, oh, so much time has already passed, and like we we're really down yes. on ourselves. Like I would be like, and then like later on, we're like, damn, I would have been this good if I started. <laughs> right, when right, I, right, you know, right. it's like you just gotta start. And sometimes like, you know, it's gonna suck, like really really bad, but definitely start for sure. Yeah, that and we've talked about this a little bit off mic. That I think that is. It, I, there, I think it's a couple things, but I think that's one of the keys of the whole shit. Yeah, an it's, object at rest stays at rest, you know? Yeah. 100%. And yeah, an object in motion will stay in motion. You just got to, you have to start. Of it just, <laughs> of it just, of just doing it. And yeah. like you said, man, it, I've just recently started getting into these like, like mixing my own stuff um, just because I'm tired of waiting for other people right, when they're available it. or waiting yeah, to have them and I have the yeah, money. I'm just yeah. like, fuck it, man. Let me just try to learn and do it. And that sense of being like, this would be so much better if I had just started it yeah. so many years ago. Yeah, you know, right, when I right, first right. started like, it. <laughs> yeah, like, damn. Yeah. But yeah. like, yo, I see myself as 36 being like, I wish I'd started a decade yeah, ago yeah, now. Yeah, you know what I mean? And absolutely. so as far as that is concerned, you know, sort of bets, um, and your your principles that help you overcome those insecurities to start doing you don't at least this is my my closed minded perception I don't know a ton of bassists that also write the lyrics and write the songs when did that start to that inspiration come 
and how did you overcome the boundaries of being the bass player that wanted to have his songs heard? Yeah, well, so so like I said, um, when I was younger, I was always writing. I was I would write the comic books, but I also would write poems. I wasn't I was big into poetry. I was a big like reader. I was a big reader, and I I, I would just kind of like read stories and be like, oh, I can write something like that, and then you know try to write and you know fail, but still write. Um, so I was very big into writing, and um, as I picked up the bass, I kind of fell off of writing. Then at some point, I kind of realized like they don't have to live in separate worlds. I can marry them. I can write for my music. Um, so I was doing that, but, um, when I really started to get serious into bass, I, somebody had gifted me a DVD, um, and it was uh, like, uh, one of those, you know, a pro musician goes on and does like a, a workshop, like mm. on DVD and like teaches you stuff and you buy their DVD or whatever. Right. And this, somebody had blessed me with this DVD, changed my life. Um, this bass player called Doug Wimbish and he used to play with Living Color. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing bass player. And he would just do things like on the bass that I had never even thought about doing, like playing chords or using pedals to make a, a bass sound like a guitar mm. or whatever, and just like hitting mean ass solos on the bass. And this was before like Thundercat or before I knew about like people like Adrian Farrard or, or um, Derek Hodge or these, these dudes who are shredding on bass or whatever. Um, this was way before that. So I'm seeing this guy making his bass sound like a keyboard or a guitar or whatever. And I'm like, what? Creative. Yeah, really, really creative. So that's when I started like playing chords on the bass. And then I would realize like, okay, if I play a chord, then I can kind of write my own music to these chords. I don't have to keep it to root notes. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's when I started to marry like poetry and and like my music and kind of and kind of writing songs. Um to match what I was playing on the bass and then eventually like what we were doing with the band. Word. Yeah. And running with that idea, who were in those formative stages and even now, what, who are some of your inspirations as far as, uh, you know, they can, they don't have to be bass players, but in, you know, right. in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, man. So I was, I was super late to, Ev all the good music <laughs> basically any good music that you can think of like i was i got hip to erica badu like a year ago for real for real yeah Yo, yeah really? that ass yeah was it just and, because it just um, wasn't in the house or yeah well again my, my parents were super religious so mm -hmm. like the only thing they ever wanted to hear in the house was gospel music and not even like kirk franklin or, or anything like that they yeah. were like <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? That was yeah, in the yeah. house spinning twenty four seven all the time. That's all we ever heard. I'm so sorry, you know what I mean? Bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so then when I started to get like second, third year of high school, I'm like, I can't listen to this shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I also insane. couldn't be blasting like fifty. You know right. what I mean? So I had to find a happy medium. So I started listening to jazz, um, and like smooth jazz and like Quiet Storm, that type of thing. Wow. And that was kind of my way to like get away from you know what they were listening to, but still but experience. It's still okay. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um. So I, w I would listen to, to, to like a lot of jazz um, and a lot of these dudes that I would be listening to, I didn't even really know their names. I'm just on the radio listening to these guys. Um, then that moved to like R&B. So um, I'd say Neo Soul probably had like my first impact of like listening to like Music Soul Child mm, or like, Soul yeah, nice. Music Soul Child is, is amazing. Or like, you know, uh, John Legend, um, Jill Scott. Uh, just like all these people, Marsha Ambrosius had a profound effect on me. Um, just listening to these people and how they were using gospel chords, 
but like in in a very like neo soul way and and the way and like i always wanted to be like a neo soul singer so i'm like <laughs> yeah. oh it sounds so good and like and 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 then like i started really listening to to lyrics and how they were using them and like even the cheesy songs like they were cheesy for I'm, I'm i'm super analytical too so i would like listen to these songs and try to break them break them up and like why is this a hit yeah you know what i mean why is this song like if i'm listening to teach me how to love why is this song so good why do i want to listen to this song a million times what is you know it what i'm saying it? what is it about it um and then i started to move to like neo soul rap you know what i mean so like kanye lupe yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying those soul beats you know Souls that, that exactly exactly common was was huge for me um and that's how i started to make my foray into rap but then even still listening to these songs like why like why is this song get stuck into my head you know what is it about this song and how can i like use this in my own writing yeah you know what i mean for sure dude that's dope so i guess then in a perfect world um Yo, this show is crazy. I was just, crazy. I was just really watching crazy, bro. Yeah. This. <laughs> so this show, really yo, crazy. I need to start watching this shit. Yeah, the hunt is really This insane. shit is nuts. <laughs> um, well, you just saw six wolves chase down yeah, one rabbit. one rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it almost got away, too. That one had the ankles. Like, yeah. <laughs> Track star. Yeah. Um, so in a perfect world, mm-hmm. money's not an issue. Resources aren't an issue. Right. What would the band look like what would the music look like what would the schedule look like you know we could say even we'll just put it out there this isn't even wishful thinking this is just down the line mm-hmm. what what's life look like for you guys um and and i'm saying no holds barred okay like shoot for the moon type shit yeah well i mean if money's not an issue I'm thinking that the band we're we're just touring the world on some gorilla shit. Okay, so you're you're playing shows. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. The, I the think MO. because because we want to write m- the music for the revolution. So I I I would I would say that my goal, like if 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 we're not worried about getting paid or worried about paying bills or you know feeding kids like our right. kids or whatever or you know what I'm saying. Um, I'm, I I want us to be like in the jungles of Africa playing shows and oh. m- moving through you know all these like marginalized communities and 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 playing like crazy ass shows throwing huge festivals um moving to places where the 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 haves and the have nots the divide between the have and the have nots are super obvious and really sticking it like to like the people who really have it but like yo we're coming like for all of that shit you know what i'm uh. saying like like we're shutting this shit down like this the way that the system system doesn't work yeah you know and and just being being out here like on some like you know we want to be the band of the people i'd say like right. like people who don't have the money to pay you know 150 dollars to go see a stadium show i want to play a show right the fuck at city hall right i'm saying where people are like straight up coming up to us and just like seeing us and and um i want to represent like just people of color um and i think that that would be a goal for the band you know like just throwing secret shows everywhere where people just can pull up and just so we could be with the people Mm. For sure, dude. That's dope. Uh, one thing I want to get to that is where did those where did those sort of revolutionary roots stem from? Because um, you? Uh, you know, it growing up in that gospel twenty four seven church mm-hmm. household, there mm-hmm. I, there's some 
there's some intrinsic badassery going on in there. So, or, is, or is that pushback to it? Where does the where does the revolutionary side come from for you? Um, I would definitely say that. Um, so that, that's that's there's like that's multifaceted. You know, that's a loaded question. Uh, there's parts of it is like when you're when you're living in that kind of a household where like your parents are like this is the way that you should be in life yeah. and this is the, the right thing to do there's always going to be a part of you as soon as you start to hit like the adolescent years that's gonna be like man why to push back yeah, yeah why am i doing this man fuck this i'm just gonna not do this you know what i'm saying so there is that that little spark of rebelliousness that comes and you just kind of want to like go against all of that um in addition to that my father um being even as as religious as he is, he himself is a huge conspiracy nut, um, and he's very he's always asking like why. So he's like he's the type of dude like I'll come home wearing like this hoodie with this with this graphic on it, and he'll be like, "What does that mean? Like, do you know what that means? Do you know what knights used to do back in the day?" Uh-huh. He's used to be very big into questioning like things. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, and he he was put, he was putting me D on so many things before I even he was telling me about like. COINTELPRO and like what would ha- what was happening with the Black Panthers and stuff like that before I even really had the mind to receive that he'd be like yeah you know like black people tried to change shit and they didn't like that they were killing them yeah. in the streets and I was just like okay you crazy old coot like <laughs> yeah, yeah. not in my America right exactly games, like yeah. hey, I'm a young boy you know what I mean so I'm not I'm not listening I'm like alright whatever yeah like America Thanks, would kill Dad. people yeah like, right maybe years later I'm like holy shit dude's Pops a genius is, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying and, God, yeah. and he, he 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 was always saying stuff like that we'd watch documentaries like I said like he was we would watch nature documentaries but also we'd watch definitely like history documentaries and he'd be like yeah man like they used to they used to like political assassinations happen all the time, and you know Haiti used to be uh, like a long time ago was a dictatorship yeah. under Papa Doc and Baby Doc before it became a uh, democracy. Um, so and he was alive during that time, so he saw that happening. So he was very he's very learned about politics. Um, so him telling me about this and like yo this shit is fucked up made me be like oh damn this shit is fucked up. Then that on top of that I think that being a Haitian there is like a a sense of of I think that we're genetically predisposed to being rebels. Mm. Um, I would say that, the, like the Haitian people, we are uh, the first um, republic, the first nation to free to just abolish slavery in the Western Hemisphere. We're the mm. first free Black republic in the world. You know what I'm saying? We're the first country um, in the entire world where. Um, slaves decided, like, you know what? Fuck this shit. We're about to run this shit, and like, kicked the oppressors out. Fought three superpowers, you know, at the time. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Haiti is, um, you know, and because of that, that's why Haiti's like really. Haiti used to be the most important island, um, financially speaking, in the Caribbean. It was called the Pearl of the Antilles. It was it was one of the most wealthy islands in the in the Caribbean. And because of the revolt, this was happening, you know, this happened in 1804. And um, and I think in 1865, that's when America decided to abolish slavery. So in 1804, we had already done that. And then in 1964, that's when America was like, okay, segregation is over. But by that point, like for like 160 years, yeah. Haiti was like, we, where you guys are, shit. we've been yeah. done this shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, so, so, but because like Haiti 
did what it did in a time where slaves were still very much alive in America, America couldn't have that happen. Word of a, of a successful slave revolt from a little island couldn't get to America. Right. So, so they, they imposed sanctions on Haiti and embargoes and um, charged Haiti's ridiculous like, amount. Like France charged Haiti um, 150 million francs at, at the time, which is an insane amount of money for beating them. Like, oh, you you fucked us up and kicked us out the island. Well, we're, we're <laughs> charging you 150 million dollars and um, 150 million francs. And those those financial, if you pose an, an embargo on an island, like their only way of making money is import export. You right. know what I'm saying? So Haiti couldn't make its money anymore. So it became like the country that it is today uh. because of those like hundreds of years ago. Those all those impositions that were placed on it. But you know the rebellion is something that most Haitian parents teach their children about. So that's kind of like the sense of rebellion. It, 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 it's kind of like, like I said, I, th I think that we're genetically predisposed. And then um, when you watch people like Fela Kuti who, or Bob Marley, who are musicians, but realize that the way to get, if you want to teach a lesson that, that will, like, is really impactful, you can do it through music. That's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah. Was why? Why did you choose music as your tool? Music, yeah. So and it and it becomes where it's like, like Fela Fela believed that music was a weapon. You know what I'm saying? He he was like, this is not this is not a joke. Fela was a firm believer. He 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 would he was he would say in interviews like, if you if you just are out here using music wish washy and 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 doing whatever with it and doing some bullshit with it, you're gonna die a young death. He really truly believed that. He, he believed that music, you need to use music to teach people things or to move the culture in a certain way. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are parts of that that I definitely agree with. So, so I, I kind of, it just kind of made a lot of sense um, because I felt as though, like, there's a lot of shit that's happening that I've experienced or that my brothers are experiencing that we want to tell people about. But nobody's going to listen to me if I just go out in the street like, hey, everybody just... But if I put <laughs> that shit in like a fire person. track, yeah. you know what I mean? People are just going, oh, oh. And then there's all this stuff that comes along with it. You put out one good song, everybody wants to know about you. Now you're coming to me for the message rather than me going to you to give you the message. Absolutely. You know what I'm so, and, and that's always the best way to give somebody a message. You never want to go to somebody and shake them. You know, he's going to fall on deaf ears. You want to you want to make sure that the soil is fertile to accept the seeds that you're, Ooh, that you're, yeah. I like that, that analogy. Yeah. No, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, but I mean, that's a great point. I think the same goes even just for the leverage in your music period. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is, uh, you know, I talk to these young, these young guys in high school and, um, about, you know, a lot of kids want to be rappers and I say, dude, this is the day and age when you don't need, you don't need the labels. If you if you get signed a 16 year old dude that nobody knows, they're just gonna fuck you over the 360 yeah, deal, 360 and then deal. you have no leverage because right. you're an unknown. Where if yeah. you get popping on your own, if you have, if you have ears, if you have eyeballs, you have attention. That's leverage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you can then transfer yeah. into, um, so, you know, that gives you power. Yeah. Because that that's what advertisers want. That's what everybody Absolutely wants. Absolutely. Well, atten attention. Yeah, attention is at a, is at a premium. Yeah. You know? And nobody wants to really spend too. You have to be very fucking interesting because you're, you're competing with a lot. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. Once you uh, that that is one thing that I try to tell like all my young boys who are kind of coming up with music. It's like. It's 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 annoying to have to deal with like the so there's there's times where I'm doing the social media shit for the band where I'm just like, why the fuck am I even doing this? This is so dumb. Like yes. you know what I mean. But it is important because that is the way that 
a lot of people get like 70 to 90% of their information is like Instagram, Twitter, you know, people Facebook. All the time. You man. know what I'm saying? And like, if you can put something out and people are, oh shit, what's this? You know, and really get a buzz behind it. Now, like you said, you have the leverage. Yeah. But if you can do that consistently, that's when, you know, these labels, they're kind of catering to like, who, who's who's getting the buzz? Who can who can we you know I mean make this turn this profit off of? Right. So you kind of control that because you control the audience. And it's your audience, yeah. and then it's not like that the label can take that from you or not. Like right. then it's your, those are your people. Mm-hmm. You can do with you know you can you make music at what is it? I think it's like a thousand true fans. That's all you need to be able to make a living from it mm-hmm. because those are the folks that are going to buy your merch, yeah. buy your album, come to your shows, For sure. and. I'd take that, you know, I'd, I'd take that over like someone like Tyga where you just like have a huge amount of followers, but it's, it, it's skin deep. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, where like, yeah. I've never, I've never talked to someone like, hey, that's my favorite rapper. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, where yeah, like, absolutely. you take yeah. a much smaller artist and they're like, yo, that I ride or die for that artist. Cause mm-hmm. I believe in everything mm-hmm. they do. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to keep you forever, but as far as the band, what are some things that you guys are doing, um, now, and in the future to sort of, you know, like you said, you got to compete with content. You've got you to gotta not only have, you know, the folks you guys on social media, but you got to be making dope visuals and right. making good music. Yeah. Where are you sort of in that? Honestly, for if you're for those that moonshot to be making to play in shows, touring, making everyone suit, that's a very achievable dream that, sure. that I think I totally see that happening for you guys. What are you guys currently doing? What's in the what's in the, the works? So right now, um, we're kind of moving into this new year with the mantra that con- content is king, you know, because that's that's how you get your foot in the door with people. They're, they're, nobody's going to – people don't really like, oh, I'm going to buy tickets to this band that I've never heard for this show. You know, I'm not going to pay $15 for a show that I've never – for a band I've never heard. People don't really do that that much anymore. They would much rather be like in, you know, their jammies, like in the, you know what I mean, at home, like, oh, shit, shit, oh, watch a video. Or pay $500 for some to get nosebleed seats to Freddie Kanye. Right, 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 exactly. So it's one or the other because people will pay incredible amounts of money for the show. If they feel like it's worth it, yeah, that they already know and that, that they they're gonna get their money's know. worth. Exactly. Yeah. So being a band that not many people know about, um, it is you got to get to them. In it's the important. Yeah, we need to exactly. We need to get to you where you're comfortable. So, um, what we've been trying to do is put a lot more live videos out of us playing, so that people are more um, incentivized to come see the live show. Like, oh shit, this video is crazy. Like, let me go see these guys live. Yeah. Or um, we're putting out a lot of interviews of us where it's just kind of like, you know, who are these guys for real? Like, would I really fuck with these guys? Are these guys posers or whatever? So that people can really get a sense of who we are as individuals. Um, so we've been doing things like that and, and kind of trying to put just videos out. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, we're writing a lot of new music with the hopes of eventually getting into the studio and getting this new album out, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and promoting that and pushing for that. But right now, it's it's just um, focusing on that online presence yeah. and trying to get that online buzz. That makes two of us, my man. That, that's yeah. hard because yeah. you're competing with a lot. But yes. like you said, I really believe consistency is a big part of it. Sure. And making sure that there's stuff for people to see, stuff for people to hear. Um, speaking of which, talk to me a little bit about that. The new album or the upcoming album, what's the process look like for you guys when you're putting together an album as far as the recording, the songs, start to finish, the mixes? I mean, there are so many creative choices that go into that. Yeah. It would, you know, 
I have a hard enough time as just myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Me and my evil twin making yeah. the choices. How do you guys? How do you guys kind of attack something like that? Um, a big part of 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 helping out, like getting this fleshed out, is organization and creating deadlines and sticking to them. Um, so, you know, if we know that right now we're we're in pre-production so right now we're in the middle of finishing up these songs and getting them tight so that we can go into the studio and lay the tracks um one thing that we learned <clears throat> of some of the songs that we laid um have that we've released recently is like we need to be able to go into the studio already knowing all the parts we can't figure it out in the stew right you know what i'm saying because that's just a waste of money waste of time yeah, you know what money. i'm saying so we need to be in there super tight already so what we're doing a lot of now is is finishing up these songs and then getting everybody's parts super super clean, super super tight, so that it's business mode as soon as we get into the studio and lay them. Um, and then when you hash out a lot of the ideas in pre-production, um, there's a lot of conversations you don't need to have in in production or post. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because everybody is already on the same page. We already talked about you know whether we're gonna have 808s or not on this. We're gonna we already talked about if we're gonna ask somebody to play keys or right. whatever because we've already had all these discussions. So that's definitely important. And and the deadline thing is important as well because if I know that we need to have you know five mixes done you know because we want to we want we want to release in three months so we need we need to have like all five mixes done like by you know in a month and a half or whatever you know what i'm saying like so that we can move into mastering or whatever we need to be hard like hard okay this needs to be done in two weeks this needs to be done in two weeks this you know what i'm saying so yeah. that we're very strict on ourselves um because if you start to let those slide like a day here in the beginning, you know, two days in the beginning. It turns into can, a week Yeah, real it turns into a week, yeah, in, in the end. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just snowballs really, really fast. So um, organization, when you're trying to put out an album, is like paramount for sure. Like you need to be organized and disciplined with how you do it. And how do you guys decide on like who's your mixing engineer and where to record and things like this? Yeah. Um, well, right now, I, I'm not ashamed to say cost it plays a oh, huge, word. huge factor. Like, you know, none of us are, are making buku bucks. So yeah. it's like, what can we afford? Right. And then you want to get the best bang for your money. But then at the same time, you want to you want to work with people who you gel with and whose ideas make sense for you. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, we've worked with people where it's just like, oh, never doing that again. Like yeah. that just didn't feel good. You you learn you know? yeah, from, but yeah. you got to try this. Yeah, shit first. exactly. Um, and we've worked with people where they might be more expensive, but it was a good experience, yeah. and and the, the the product that came out was the best possible product. So those kind of people, you kind of just like, all right, cool. You catalog them, and then like when it's time to like look into like recording again, you reach out to these people. Um, so that's kind of how, how that goes. And that's that's with producers, engineers, studios, all of that. The whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot I want to dive into there, but I also want to keep this moving. Um, how do you... And I'm going to get into some deep shit. Yeah, let's go. How do you... So you said you work in IT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every day you wake up, mm -hmm. 7.15, 6, 6.30, somewhere in there. 6.30. 6, <laughs> 6.30, that yeah. alarm goes off. Yeah come out of your dream you look mm -hmm. over at your phone turn off the alarm how do you you 26 yes how do you as a 26 year old man have the keep yourself sane and have the determination to put on your fucking suit and tie and go into work every day 
and uh, have the faith, the blind faith that it'll someday work out? That's a, that's a good question. Um, it just, it's, it's really a combination of two things I'd say. One, there's like, the drive that you already like you 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 the belief in yourself like i know that i'm not i'm not made to be sitting in a cubicle that's not what i'm on this earth for you know what i'm saying i know that um so right now i'm trying to figure out the best way to get me to fuck out of that cubicle <laughs> yes. and right now it looks like the best way is the band <laughs> yeah. you know and music and and so because that's the best way i invest time and energy and money into it because i know that it's an investment um the second half is you know, I've been I've been playing music now for years, so I'm not about to stop that. That all of those years down the drain, that'd right. be bullshit. So right. that I can, you know what I mean. So I'd just be a, you know, an IT dude. Yeah, nah, it doesn't make sense. You know. And, <laughs> and how do you balance the the dual identity of the suit and tie IT dude at work and the rebellious gorilla bassist that you feel like you truly are, but have to kind of act. Yeah. Yeah. all day how do you how do you deal with it so i think that in everyday life all of us you know we wear masks right we all we all have there's certain ways we act around our parents that you know we act around when you're with the homies you right. know what i'm saying you act in a whole different way right right um and there's i don't think there's an accurate way of saying like that's not you this is really you you know what i'm saying yeah. because people see one aspect of you but really it's like the different faces on like a jewel or something like that this mm -hmm. is all the same jewels just like you know what i mean it's, you're just seeing different parts of it at different times so i think that yeah part of me is that it guy a part of me is the guy who who's like sits on the computer and i mean even that part of me helps in the band i'm the dude who's like you know, shooting off like, okay, we need to get this email or rehearsal. Like, like I'm Joey sets rehearsals so that I schedule it. And yeah. We have a we have a group call today, guys. Can we? You know, what I mean, I'm the or like super organized and pressed. You know, pressed on top of shit and making sure Dope. we have an interview here. And blah, yeah. Blah, blah. And you know, I, and that's just kind of like in me. And, and and luckily, I found a career where that works to that strength of me. The organization. Yeah. To kind of like boom, 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 boom. Get this done. Um. But also at the same time, there are t there are days where I walk in that motherfucker, especially after a gig, where it's like I got in I got into the house at like three in the morning after playing this insane gig to a packed house. I was shirtless. Yeah, you, know you, were, rocking, you were sweaty, you were sweaty, sweaty shirtless, being the best me that I could possibly be. And now I wake up and put on a button up. You know, I wake up three hours later, put on a button up, kind of hungover. I'm at this job and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, Hundred, but. Uh, I, I also think that um, it's just the understanding of like it's really like once you find your once you find your calling it's like a drug you know and you'll always be chasing that first high and also nothing else really compares so like I'll go, I'll go to I'll go to when we when we got off a tour I, I went back to to work and it was like every day was in black and white yeah you know and it was cool because I knew that I'm I'm at work right now, but this is the season, and that eventually I'm gonna be back on tour again, and it's gonna be cool. I'll be chasing that first high yeah. all over again. So that's kind of another thing that gets me through the day to day. It's like knowing that, you know, okay, right now this sucks, but like in a month from now I'm gonna be rocking out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that definitely helps. And how do you how do you take time for tour when you have 
the full time. Um. So do they know you're luckily, in the band? Is yeah. 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 My band. My, oh. my. So luckily, again, and I'm I'm very super fortunate. The way everything worked out is just is really meant to be. Um, my job is IT, so it is very lax, super lax. Um, as a job, my my bosses don't do very much micromanaging. They're just like. You know, I get put on projects and they're just like, this is the date we need it done. It's four months from now, five months from now. You know what you need to do to get it done. Do it by this day. And they kind of just leave me alone. You know what wow. I mean? So, like, if I if I don't come into work one day, like, yo, I'm working from home. Or if, like, I, like, you know, take a couple of days off or whatever. They're just, like, they're, they're cool. The minute I, I, I drop the ball, though, then it's just like, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for you. as long as I'm sure, as long as I make sure that I don't drop the ball in that regard, like if I have months to do a project, you know what I'm saying? Like I can usually typically get something done, get 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 a lot of my stuff done. Um, I can I can kind of get shit done and, and they will stay off my case for the most part. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, all right, last few. Yeah. What is... And you might not have one, but what's your reoccurring nightmare? Reoccurring nightmare. Um, I actually haven't had nightmares for a while, but very recently there was a night where I had three nightmares. <laughs> they were just yeah, trying, they were like trying to make to up back. for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like back to back. <laughs> and they were really time. crazy. And I think that as I'm getting older, I don't get nightmares in the sense of like, oh, there's, a, there's somebody trying to kill me. You know, something like that. Yeah. My nightmares are more like... I don't know. They're like more realistic, and and one nightmare that that, that one theme um, that was in all three of these nightmares was like, I was in a car at some point, and um, it like for for each of these nightmares, like the car like at some point like just went off the road and like flew off of a of a cliff, <laughs> and then like I just banged out and I woke up like oh shit what the fuck that's you know one of those things that jolts you awake yeah 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 exactly like I'm in the car with my little brother you know what I mean and he's like driving and it's just like oh he loses control and go through a guardrail Damn. you know what I'm saying it's crazy um and so so I would say like reoccurring nightmare I, I haven't had nightmares in a while but that's something that that actually really recently happened to me I'm just like oh that shit was kind of weird yo and yeah. it's the only thing that sticks with you yeah yeah you yeah. Know? yeah for sure all right um this one you know something that, I, that I'm currently wrestling with too and um not there's a right answer or not but as a white guy who's into pursuing music Mm -hmm. especially something like Mm hip-hop r&b these very um you know have roots in black culture what can i do as a white dude to be a part of that in a way without fully appropriating right and doing more damage than good yeah uh that's an interesting question um uh, i think one 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 thing that i see a lot of white people do is they don't pay the proper respects to to where they were very clearly influenced from you know what i'm saying and i i'd say that like can you um, be an example or yeah I, I mean i'm i'm a rocker so 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 rock and roll i think is the biggest example i think rock and roll was was black music you know what i'm saying um uh, the the argument everybody can mi- like wants to make that argument like the people there are people who make the argument like no it wasn't you know it wasn't clearly defined but I believe that you know you had like Sister Ros- Rosetta Tharp who's really rocking out or even like like um, like Little Richard you know what I mean huh. who's who's just like 
killing it, you know what I'm saying, and, and really <laughs> yeah. influencing the culture in, in such a way. Then you've got like all you've got like the Elvises and whatever taking up like even even like people like Howlin' Wolf or, to make it popular, but still yeah, took it, still took from, it, yeah. still took it, and and didn't give any regard to where they were influenced from. You know what I'm saying? And like Elvis was huge Howlin' Wolf. Howlin' Wolf like really like the way that he sings, you know, Elvis was like, oh shit, that's what Elvis is going to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black culture definitely influenced that. So I, I think um, it's it's being being mindful that like, okay, this this musical atmosphere that I'm stepping into is something that existed long before I even came into here and it, and it was popping before I was here. I'm not making this shit hot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think that a lot of people make that mistake where they come in and they're just like, I'm, I'm making this they, shit They hot. start to flex on the ego shit. Exactly. And it's, um, I think being mindful of like, okay, word, like, I understand that this, this already existed way before I was here and it's going to continue, you know what I mean? And I didn't mm. do anything to help this culture get to the point where it is. You can, you can push it forward for sure, but giving respect to those that came before. And yeah. paying tribute. Yeah, paying tribute. tribute. Yeah, big so, time. Because that's something that I've been, especially recently too, mm-hmm. um, wrestling with you know as someone who and in hip-hop you know where it's like there's nothing i'm not of that culture there the what it was made from you know that Mm. and so i'm like it's something that i'm I'm always curious as you know as a black musician and folks that are um you know in it in the scene i'm like i feel like you i really value that opinion to be like what how can i help me do this the right way you know what i mean because as 26 year old you know Mm -hmm. growing as me and trying to do music too Mm -hmm. we we have a similar dream and Mm -hmm. even if it's in different genres per se you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. like trying to like i feel like i just can really relate to you in a in a lot of ways um i'd agree with that yeah yeah, you know but but also something where i know that there's this other component to it that I'm like I I feel like there is a probably a not a clear cut right way to wrong, wrong way to do it but righter ways yeah yeah that I'm like you know to help that I'm like yeah help me navigate this yeah I'd say I definitely say step one is asking the question that you asked that's important a lot of people don't ask that question like how do I do this without appropriating people don't ask that question <laughs> you know what I'm saying so <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah that's uh, that's important <laughs> um, for sure and. You know, before we get out of here, best let the po- let the people know, sort of as far I you know it doesn't have to be a definitive timeline, but sort of I know you guys play a lot of shows around Philly. I'll play it all in the show notes, but I know we're talking about social media. Where can they find you? Where can they find the band? When and if you do have an idea of when the albums drop in, where to find your music? Let them let them know. Yeah, for sure. So all of our music right now is currently. On Google Play Music, iTunes, um, Apple Music. Um, you guys don't use samples or yeah. anything like that, so you can no, license yeah. it all. So, yeah, it's all out. All oh, of our music is yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all out there. Um, so you know, you guys can look us up on Spotify or whatever. Ill Fated Natives. Um, then you know we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Um, you can also reach out to our website. That's illfadednatives.com. Our show calendar is there. Um, we're, we've been playing a lot more shows in New York lately, which is which is really good. That's tight. So yeah, yeah, we've been trying to do both Philly, New York, DC, that that, that entire scene. So um, you know, I L L F A T E D natives, N A T I V E S, um, and that's like across all social media. 
that's how people would find us for sure music for the revolution yeah yeah yo that's yeah. <laughs> you man oh man thank yo. you so much man thank you. <laughs> all right y'all ryan radio it's my man elfader natives next up check them out deuces